What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, November 7th. It is Election Day in the United States, and yet children's future is on the ballot. Former Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos joins me on the podcast today. We are going to talk about the outright assault on parental rights and so much more. Plus, Donald Trump testified in Manhattan court yesterday in front of a lunatic judge and a radical, angry attorney general. And Stephen Crowder may have broken what is the bombshell report of the year by releasing several pages of the Nashville Manifesto, the one that the FBI didn't want you to see. And now we know why. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to The Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, you know what to do. Get down there and hit that share button. Let's get as many people into the broadcast here as possible. I know I shortchanged you guys last week. I didn't hit you with a fresh episode on Thursday. I didn't go live, and I had a good reason for it. I was invited by Dinesh D'Souza to go down to Mar-a-Lago to view the premiere of his new film, Police State. And what an experience it was for me. And again, I just got to say thank you to all of you listeners out here for making all of these opportunities for me possible. You guys keep tuning into the show here. You're, you're sharing the broadcast. You're keeping it popular here on Rumble. It constantly gets featured on the main page, on the editor's picks. And really, that's only because of you guys, the, the amount of times you guys are sharing this broadcast. So please keep it up. And if you missed my interview with Dinesh D'Souza, roll it back here on the channel. You've got to check it out. You must see his new movie, Police State. You can watch it right here on Rumble. I got the link down there in the description of the podcast as well. Also, in that interview that I did with Dinesh, Cash Patel joined me. I had a chance to meet both of them down at Mar-a-Lago because it was, it, they were both there for the premiere. They're both in the movie, obviously. Uh, so I wanted to share a couple of pictures here with you guys before we kind of get rolling into the program. So here I am walking into Mar-a-Lago. Now, for me, this is a big deal. Again, I'm a railroad mechanic. I do these podcasts on the side. Uh, so it, it was really a big deal. I think I was the only, I, I think I, for sure, I was the only railroader at Mar-a-Lago there last week. But uh, this was a big opportunity for me. And I really, again, I owe it all to you guys. But here I am here with Dinesh D'Souza, the man of the hour. Now, the minute I walked into Mar-a-Lago, I knew right away that Donald Trump wasn't going to be there. I had had my hopes up. I had been trying to get an interview with Donald Trump uh, for at least five years since I started First Class Fatherhood. It has been my number one goal since I launched that show. I've, I've been so close so many times. I had press credentials for the White House, been there. I was there 12 times with press credentials while he was president. I was not able to seal the deal. I've been to several CPACs uh, and Turning Point USAs with media credentials. I, I've been all around them. I just haven't been able to secure that interview. I thought maybe this would have been a great opportunity. But the minute I walked into Mar-a-Lago and there was no metal detectors, I knew right away he was not going to be there. So uh, I was, uh, you know, how could you be disappointed while you're sit, sit standing in Mar-a-Lago? So here I am here with Dinesh D'Souza and here's Cash Patel. 
Uh, the both of them joined me on the same episode a couple of weeks ago here on the Alec Lay Show. Again, you got to go back and check that out. Here I am with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. It was an honor to meet him in person. I've interviewed him a couple of times, and uh, we've had some great conversations. This is the guy right here that that really turned New York City into just a total liberal shithole from what it was and turned it into the tourist capital of the world. He left a blueprint behind on how to change these radically left-wing Democrat cities and lower the crime rates and turn them into positives. And Rudy Giuliani left that all behind. For some reason, the left wants to ignore it. Here I am with Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake joined me right here on the Alec Lay Show right at the beginning, uh, you know, only a couple of weeks into the podcast. I was very honored to have her on the show here. Hopefully I'll have her back on now that she's running for senator. Here I am now with the guy that makes free speech possible right here on Rumble, and that is Chris Pavlovsky. He is the CEO of Rumble. I had a chance to talk with him while I was there and talk about the new show, what I'm doing. And so really, the experience was uh, unbelievable for me. So I got to say again, thank you to all the listeners out there. You were the ones that put me there at Mar-a-Lago last week. Keep it up. And while you're down there uh, looking through my previous episodes, hit the follow button. Follow me here on Rumble because the best is yet to come. I can promise you that. And I'm going to have former Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos here in just a minute. Again, I mentioned it is Election Day. And there are there are a lot of people that stay home on these election days when there's not that that sexy ticket, when there's not that presidential election or your governor, there's no governor's race. And I think there's only three of them this year or, or two of them. There, there's a, there's no real big reason for a lot of people to come out and vote. And I think it's a big mistake because right now is the time you need to get out there and vote. There's so many parental rights that are on the table in this election and your local elections, your school boards, they matter. Like these elections are so important and they're going to have such an impact on, on your children's life and your children's education. You've got to get out there and vote, investigate the candidates. It's so simple today to find out what candidates stand for what you don't have to go to their rallies or you don't have to go to their, uh, to their meetings. You could just Google it, look at their page, see what they stand for, see if it lines up with your values, go there and pull the trigger on the, on the ballot box. All right. So get involved in these local elections. One in particular I have to point out here because I think it's one of the most important ones in my opinion, and that is in the state of Ohio. So if you're in Ohio, please listen up and tell as many of your friends as you can to vote no on issue one. Uh, This is an absolute disaster if this thing goes through. Let me just give you a couple of quick points on this. I'm going to put them on the board, and this is going to be voted on today. It's really, really important. This will... Uh, This will establish abortion on demand through all nine months. All right. It removes even the basic limitations on abortion. It allows for profit abortion providers to make the final call on procedures, standards and timing. It allows for dismemberment abortions, painful late term abortions and abortions after a child is born alive. Uh, It permits abortion because of the child's sex, race, or disability. Now, here's the one I want you to really pay attention to as if that's not bad enough. Uh, This issue one in Ohio erases parental rights. It ends parental notification and prevents parents from being involved in their child's medical decision, decisions like an abortion or irreversible sex change operations. It cuts parents out of the most important decisions in their children's lives while allowing abortion promoters to pressure those children behind closed doors. So they are going to be allowed to talk to your children about why they should have their abortion without you being in the room, without you being notified. They're going to allow children to make decisions on these life-altering sex change operations. We cannot have it. It's one of the most important issues that's on the ballot box anywhere 
anywhere in the country this year. So vote no on issue one in Ohio. If you're in Ohio, let your friends know, let your neighbors know that they got to help and support. And please do not allow this to go through. All right. So I definitely had to bring attention to that. Now, as I mentioned, I was down in Mar-a-Lago there uh, on Wednesday, so I flew back on Thursday. Friday, I was invited by Fox uh, to come on to the bottom line. So always when I'm on the bottom line, I always share a few clips with you guys, so I want to do that. And then we are going to hit my interview with um, uh, former Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, and then I want to touch on these stories because Donald Trump testified in this kangaroo court yesterday in Manhattan, and also Stephen Crowder busting this this real just bombshell news, uh, dropping the Nashville Manifesto. Uh, of this LGBTQ shooter who targeted Christians, targeted white people. So we're going to get into that and so much more. But let me hit you with these clips uh, from my appearance on the bottom line as we got more people jumping into the live here. Uh, The three topics that they had us touch on was the Target CEO. Uh, This guy just in in complete denial, he makes a statement saying that the boycott from people that didn't want to buy his tuck-friendly underpants for children caused more damage and harm to his employees than the George Floyd riots. Uh, So that was one story they wanted to hit on. The other one was that math is racist. We're back to that again because children are failing math. So, of course, math is now racist. And the other story was, uh, oh, yeah, they want to give children psychedelics now to combat their anxiety because of climate change. All right, here's the highlights from that. Doubling down here to a certain degree, and he may have to pay the price for that. Yeah, I think Brian might have had his uh, tuck-friendly underwear on a little too tight here because he ticked (laughs) off the parents in this country, and that's what he did. Let's be honest. There's a difference between pride promotion and targeting children, and he woke up the parents, and that's what happened here. And let's look back at the George Floyd riots when they happened. Target closed or changed the hours of 200 stores because it was a threat to their employees. They didn't do that when the moms and dads were upset about this stuff. So it's time for this guy to apologize. He tried to appease 1% of the population and ticked off 99%. He should apologize for it, put on his untuckable pants and say, I'm sorry. Saying that math is racist is giving kids a built-in excuse to fail. And you know what? The math problem that is troubling the black and brown community is two parents are better than one. That's the math problem that they're facing. Fatherless households are crippling the African-American communities. That's where the problem lies. We saw with the I Promise school with LeBron James, they threw enough money at that school. Not a single student passed a math test in three years. It's not the money. It's, that's not the problem. Getting these parents, these nuclear families back together will solve these problems. That's the issue. And that's- let's give them drugs. And it's not like, let's have them smoke marijuana. Right. Let's give them psychedelics, because yeah. that's the answer. I, I think the guy at the Washington Post that wrote this story was tripping on psychedelics when he wrote it. But let's, let's stop drugging the children. Stop castrating the children. Stop mutilating the children. Is this so much to ask for? I mean, this is why parents are so upset all this country. And I'm telling you, they're the ones that are going to be the difference makers here in 2024. Parents, let's do this. Yeah, and all three of those stories are ridiculous. Obviously, the one at the top there, the CEO of Target, this guy, Brian Cornell, whatever his name may be, he is an absolutely out-of-touch lunatic here that just won't give it up. He'd rather torpedo his entire the entire business of Target. He'd rather flush the whole thing down the toilet and than not cater to the LGBTQ. And, and he partnered with a Satanist. You would think this guy would say, you know what, I made a big mistake here. Cost the shareholders a ton of money. It gave a bad name to Target. Apologize. Come up and say, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. It's not that hard to do. But this guy doubles down on it. And I think it's a very bad decision uh, for this guy to do it. But I mean, people were just so upset. But how delusional can you be? People saw what happened during the George Floyd riots. They burned targets completely to the ground. 
you they had to close all of these stores down because of all the the the, the looting and the rioting that was going on. They're telling me, oh yeah, the, the the employees were more in danger because parents were upset that you were trying to sell tuck friendly underpants to their kids. Come on. But the whole thing is ridiculous, and this is why it's election day today. Parents, you got to step up. Get to the ballot box today. Today is your day. Today is a day for the parents. Get out and vote. Make your voice heard because you don't want to sit here a few months from now and go, well, how the hell is this happening in our in our school? Why is this going on? Today's the day to find out what is going on in the school and make your voice heard. You've got If you want to make changes, it has to be here. Encourage your neighbors to get out there and vote as well because these elections are important. It may not be for the White House but it sure is going to help in your house. So get out there and vote today. All right, so I'm going to hit you guys with a quick spot here, and then we're going to run the rest of the show. I'm going to be back with the 11th U.S. Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. Then we're going to talk about Trump and his uh, testimony in Manhattan's kangaroo court yesterday and Stephen Crowder's big bombshell drop. All right, here's a quick spot, and I'll see you on the other side. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. Wow, it's so soft and smooth. It's cool to the touch. How did you do that? Well, we took my pillow's patented bill and combined it with this new technology that we didn't have back then when I invented my pillow. To bring you the best pillow in history, my pillow 2.0. Just like all of you, I never imagined that my pillow could get any better. That's why I haven't changed it in nearly 20 years. Then I heard about a revolutionary new technology, and I knew I had to bring it to you all. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD to save 50% on the all-new MyPillow 2.0. You can also save $90 on the original MyPillow slippers. Get the luxurious Giza Dream sheets for only $29.98. And get up to 40% off on the Mattress Topper 2.0. Visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit MyPillow.com. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. All right, here we go. I got Betsy DeVos, the former Secretary of Education in the Zoom room here. She is also the former chair of the Michigan Republican Party. Uh, She was the Secretary of Education during the Trump administration. So it's a big honor for me to bring her on. There's a lot to get to. So let's do this. Uh, Joining me now, former Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Thanks, Alec. It's great to be with you. Well, it's an honor to have you here. And there is a lot of problems going on in this country when it comes to our children's education and and in particular parents' rights, which are being attacked all over the place. I'm here in the communist state of New Jersey, where our teachers are allowed to keep secrets from the students, uh, from the parents, whether it's their they want to change their pronouns, whether they want to change their sexual identity. And it just I just came from Mar-a-Lago last week watching the premiere of Police State, Dinesh D'Souza's new film. And part of that talks about what happens to these parents who make us think about this at the school board meetings. And it just seems like right now, more than ever, parents are on high alert and they're just coming under attack, uh, particularly in certain states rather than others. 
Well, you're absolutely right. And frankly, it's happening in states across the country where uh, schools are keeping secrets from parents and parents are expressing their need to know and their need to um, be in charge of their kids' education. That's why we're seeing policies passed across the country, particularly in Republican-led states, to give parents that control over the funds that are expended on their kids to find the best education fit for each of their children. And often it means leaving the school that they're assigned to. Well, I'll tell you, for the last five years, Betsy, I've hosted a show, First Class Fatherhood. I've left politics you know, off the table. I didn't really talk about it at all. But just in May, when the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, said that teachers uh, know what is best for their kids, uh, because they are with them every day. And the president of the United States said there's no such thing as somebody else's child. These are these are all our kids. That's when I launched this show, because it's like I'm so sick and tired of thinking that, you know, these educators know better for the kids than their own parents do. And I'm so sick and tired of that. The kids belong to their parents, not to the state and not to the school system. So I'm sick of hearing that kind of language. And it seems like many parents agree with that because they have risen up all over this country. That's right, Alec. And and COVID really brought it all to a head in a way that was unexpected. And uh, frankly, the silver lining to COVID, I, I believe, because parents saw firsthand what was going on in their children's schools. And many who thought their kids were in a good place, they'd chosen to live there because the school was good, quote unquote. Uh, they saw firsthand how horribly the schools were doing, either with curriculum that was totally antithetical to their values or with uh, distance learning that didn't expect anything. And uh, I mean, it is clear that the leftist agenda has been at root in our school system for many, many years, decades. It's one of the reasons I have fought for 35 years to allow parents to be freed from that if they don't agree with what's going on in their kids' schools. Thankfully, we're seeing momentum around that happening now, but it's tough in states like New Jersey and California, my own home state of Michigan. Um, so parents have to continue to speak up. They have to continue to advocate for their children. They're, they're their children. They're their first, your parents are their first educators, and they're the ones that love their kids best. That's right. And they've really woken up like a sleeping giant in this country because they've come after that. And they're just like your point there during COVID, so many parents were looking over the shoulders of their kids and like, what in the world is going on at this school here? Mm-hmm. And, and I want to get your take on this, Betsy, because I, I discuss this all the time. I think one of the part, I mean, obviously the education system is failing the children in this country. We see that with the results of the test scores. And I think a big piece of this that people leave out a lot is the fatherless crisis that we have in our country. We have so many kids growing up without a father, without a father figure, and it is really wreaking havoc. Now, when you combine that with failed education systems, it's no wonder these kids are failing so many places in school. But I think that, you know, a big part of that is that discipline factor that comes from the home that sets that mood for the kid, that way he's going to behave in school. And I think when you have that father figure missing from the lives of so many children, uh, the results are apparent in in the test scores as well. Well, that's absolutely right, Alec. And uh, my friend Ian Rowe talks about this a lot in um, his teaching of what he calls the success sequence about graduating from high school, getting a job, getting married, and then having children. And um, and he's been castigated in in, uh, New York and in his community for even talking about this. 
But the, the role of both parents is so important in every child's life. And uh, and I think that uh, you are on to a really important thing here. And I, I, I applaud you for really focusing in on the importance of fatherhood. And, and, I, and I think it's just crazy that right now, when you talk about parenting and discipline, like it's looked at as if you spank your child, it's child abuse. But if you transition your kid and castrate them, it's parole, it's heroism. Like these parents, we see them on TikTok, we see them on Instagram, and they're they're proudly transitioning their children. And these are kids that haven't even hit puberty yet. They're putting them on puberty blockers. They're dressing up little boys as girls. And it's like, what in the world? Where are these people coming from? Because it seems like I only see them on, on the news, or I only see them on social media. Every Democrat, even that I work, I work for the railroad. I've been doing that for 24 years. It's a big melting pot there. Even the Democrats that I work with, none of them agree with any of this transitioning of little kids, putting them on puberty blockers, letting your children, uh, your girls share the same bathroom as boys. So uh, it it boggles the mind to see this kind of uh, movement for such a small percentage of the population. No, absolutely. And the Biden administration has doubled down on promoting this kind of uh, focus and this kind of activity at the expense of focusing in on what our kids actually need to know and learn in order to be successful as adults. Uh, You know, the reading scores and the math scores plummeted during COVID, but they were on a decline for many, many years before COVID hit. And we keep talking about all of these other extraneous things that are not fundamental to a child's future success and and keep pulling the conversation so far to the left and the Biden administration is is the is the leader in all of this and the department that I used to run um is filled with individuals who are continuing to talk about these issues as though they are the primary issue for us to be focused on no our kids need to learn to read they need to learn to do mathematics they need to learn what makes them special and unique and what their gifts and talents are and they need to be able to employ them and deploy them to be successful adults and contribute to the rest of the society. It's scary because other countries are not doing this. The countries that we're going to be competing with or these children are going to be competing with as they become adults, they're not learning all this stuff. They're not being force-fed critical race theory and LGBTs. They're learning their ABCs. They're learning their mathematics. And so they're going to be far ahead of the kids that we're pumping out here. And And if the teachers knew better than the parents, then why is it that homeschooling, number one, the numbers have shot up. There's more kids going homeschooled now than ever before, 51% uh, more in, in, in homeschooling. But the grades are always above where the kids are in the public school. So it, how bad can the parents be where the kids that are being homeschooled, the numbers are a lot higher. So that just proves the point that they're out of their minds when they think that parents don't know. Unfortunately, a lot of parents are in a situation where they can stay home and homeschool the kids. Otherwise, we'd see a lot more of it. No, that's right. And that's why uh, passing policies that empower parents to make those decisions for their kids' education and to take them out of their assigned schools and send them to a school that matches their family values is critical. And we're seeing the momentum around this, as I said, in many states that are Republican-led. It's time now for Democrats to to really uh, face up against the teachers' unions which it's the teachers unions that have controlled this agenda 
agenda for decades. And uh, I've you know often said Randy Weingarten is essentially running the Department of Education today. And that has got to stop because they do not represent our children. They are not focused on what's right for kids. They are focused on adult issues. They are focused on far left ag agenda items, and they are not at actually you know, concerned about preparing young kids to be successful adults. Yeah, Randy Weingarten is running the education system right into the ground is where she's running it. She's too busy over in Ukraine worried about their school system than she is about the one we have right here. But I wanted to get your take on the on school choice. Obviously, uh, I think it's a phenomenal thing. The way I always try to explain it when I have these discussions about school choice is like when, when my wife, we moved from North Jersey to South Jersey, but she didn't she wasn't forced to use the doctors down here where we moved. She was able to still use her doctors up in North Jersey. So she had the choice to go. It wasn't government saying, oh, you're in this district. You have to use this doctor. And it's similar to that with the school systems. But here's my question for you about school choice and the one that I get a lot. What happens, Betsy, when you have schools that become more popular, that parents want to send their schools and they get kind of overfilled? And then also on the back end, you have schools that none, none of the parents want to send their kids to because the school system there isn't doing as well. And now they don't have the resources there uh, to, to, to pay the teachers to stay there. So how do you deal with schools that are overrun with kids that want to go and the ones that, that are emptying out? So here's what happens. When parents are empowered with the resources that are already being spent on their child's education in through the traditional government-run system, when, when that money follows each child and there is a demand for a school that's very popular because it's successfully preparing kids, they're going to be able to expand and replicate, or there are going to be other schools similar to them that will start. And the schools that kids leave because they're not doing the job are either going to have to change and improve or they're gonna go out of business. It's like what happens everywhere else in our economy. You know, Education is the least disrupted, the least competitive industry in our country. And yet it's doing the most important thing, preparing our future generations for success. And so the, the, the notion of uh, not being able to ultimately find the right place for your kid, if you're a parent and you have that money for your child and the school you want to go to is full, you're going to be able to go and with others demand in a way, um, your, the, the demand for your uh, desire for your kids is going to help create new supply, new options, new choices. That's what's been happening in Florida for many years now since Governor Jeb Bush 20 plus years ago started education freedom school choice there. And more and more schools have been created to meet the demand of the parents who want something different for their kids. It's happening in other states like Arizona and in, in, in Indiana and Ohio. And so anybody who's, who uses the argument that there's not going to be enough choices doesn't really understand how the marketplace ultimately works, but it will work and it will be good for kids. Yeah, and to your point, Betsy, too, uh, Florida in 2002, when they started the school choice, the, the, the people were worried about the low income students and the low income students right at that time were ranking 33rd in the nation. Now, back in 2019, they were first in the nation. So it made a huge difference. Right. And so it, it, it's in, it's imperative. And just like you said, giving the parents the option uh, and, and it gives incentive to the teachers to do better. I, I still don't understand why when you have schools that, that have kids that can't pass a test, why the teachers are still employed. Like if you have a coach that's in, 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 on a team 
team and the kids don't win a game, the coach is gone. That's it. They bring in a new coach. The teachers don't face that same thing. They keep failing kid after kid. Then we keep throwing more money at the situation. We saw with the I Promise School from LeBron James in Ohio, they threw tons of money at this school, haven't had a single kid pass one math test in three years. So money isn't the issue. And again, that is a community that's crippled with broken families and fatherless households. That's right. And in that's in the state of Ohio, there are many other choices that families are making because Ohio has a robust school choice education freedom program that this year has grown threefold because they expanded it. The demand is there and um, and those who are going to respond. And I, I want to touch on teachers for a second, because I think many of them get a bad rap. They are part of a system in which they have little to no control over their own future. That's why we see many teachers quitting and going to the sidelines. I believe there are great teachers out there who want to want to just want to serve kids. They want to help teach them. They want to help nurture them. They in an education, freedom, school choice and environment are going to come back off the sidelines and they're going to, you know, maybe head up a, a 21st century one room schoolhouse of multi-age kids, multi-grades and, and have a, an energy there that we haven't seen in years in many other schools. There, I, there are great teachers who need to come back to teaching, but in an environment where they're going to actually be able to help kids not focus and be within a system that doesn't work. Very well said, Betsy. And I do agree. There are so many teachers. I have four kids myself. Uh, oldest is a senior now in high school. And I've had some great teachers coming through the pipeline with my kids. I've been a class parent in all of their classes. And so I know that the teachers are doing great things. And it's not to peg all of them in the same, and lump them all into the same group. So I agree with you there. And I wanted to just get a take on you with this Title IX that we've been hearing constantly about how this rules change. They don't want to reveal what it is. It's been it's kept a secret for a while. But it's basically, uh, from what I'm understanding, the people that are going to be impacted the most are going to be the girls on these sports teams that are going to have to share locker rooms with with men. And it just seems like I cannot find and Like I said before, going back to it, I cannot find one single dad that agrees that their daughter should be one competing against boys in sports and number two, sharing a locker room or a bathroom with men. So I don't understand where is the momentum behind this and what is the latest on this rule change with the Title Nine. Well, absolutely. This this is a huge issue that the Biden administration has doubled down. They're, they're in the process of doubling down on what the Obama administration did and which we corrected while in office. We put a rule in place that was fair, that recognized that women play women's sports and men play men's sports, and that gave ensured due process in any matter of misconduct that, that occurs on campuses. What the Biden administration is doing, and uh, and and you know we're, we're waiting to see that final that final rule. Um, they are proposing to expand the definition of gender to be basically anything you choose to be on any given day. Meaning, uh, a biological male can play on a women's team, and vice versa. Well, vice versa. We don't see it happening the other way. But Title IX was created to give women equal access and opportunity in sports and education. You can't say that it's okay for biological males to come and play on a woman's team and then say you're protecting and, and guaranteeing equal access for women. It's totally contradictory. So they're proposing to basically do away with Title IX. Now, they're talking about doing a separate rule for that, but they can't. It's the same law. 
So they're talking crazy talk. And, uh, and, and it is such a leftist agenda that is so uh, taking up time and attention and, and you know, getting people focused away from the, the core of what we should be do doing and talking about in education. And that is helping kids get prepared to be successful as adults. It's just disgusting. I, I don't understand, like, where are the women's rights people? Where It's like, it seems like uh, the people on the right are standing up for women's rights and the people on the left don't even know what a woman is. So it's, it seems like this has gotten so far apart and just so wacky that it's like, who are, I, I, again, I still don't understand who these people are and they don't even say it out loud that they think it's a good idea because to say that you sound idiotic when you say that women should be competing or men should be competing with women in sports. So uh, I, I, I really don't understand it. No, I, I don't understand it either. And I think that the backlash against uh, the, I think that's why, the you know, this final rule that is they're taking so long. First of all, they had more than double the public comments that we had when we did our rule, which means they have to answer and respond to each and every single one of them. And if they come out with a rule that is uh, antithetical to the law that was passed, that is against the law, basically, it will be challenged in multiple directions legally. But in the meantime, you know, young women and girls get hurt in the process, literally and figuratively. And so this is an issue that we all have to get more vocal about and talk about protecting women's opportunities in sports and education. This is key. And I think that, you know, 80 plus percent of the, probably 89% of the people are with us on this issue. So let's talk about it. Yeah, and I'm talking about it because my youngest is nine. She's my only girl. And so that's why it's a big deal for me and why I'm, I'm passionate about it as well. And the other part of this coin is my oldest is 17, senior in high school. So college is around the corner here for him next year. And it is frightening as a parent to look at what's happening in the colleges in this country. Number one, all of a sudden, all this anti-Semitic stuff popped up on every single one of these liberal left colleges after the Hamas butchered all these people in Israel. So there's that part of it. But before that, you've seen student after student begging the taxpayers to help them pay off their college loans because they got a degree that ain't worth the high price that they paid for it. And they come out with no skill sets whatsoever in order to get a job that's worthy enough to pay back these loans. Meanwhile, they hate America. They hate the police and they want to all become activists. So as a parent with my kids sitting right there on deck, it's very frightening. No, absolutely. Higher education is broken, just like K-12 education is. And think about it, you have a K-12 system that has continued to turn out kids that aren't capable of doing work at the college level. They aren't even capable of doing work in many cases at the high school level. And yet we keep passing them along and feeding them a line like they're, they're accomplishing something. And meanwhile, higher education institutions continue to raise costs, charge more and more and more for giving less and less in terms of quality. And so higher education is ripe for reform. It's ripe for change. And the innovators that are coming in to introduce new options at much lower cost and more rigor are, the, are going to ultimately be successful because more and more families and more and more young people are looking for those kinds of options. 
And one of those, and I wanted to get your take on this, uh, former President Trump recently had this idea of a free online national university, uh, which I, my take on it first is that I don't think that, you know, the government being involved in education any more than it already is, is good. I think that's a disaster. But I did like the point where he says it would tax the endowments because I think there's so much money sitting in these endowments. And they're the ones that I think should be on the hook to pay back these loans that they've duped these kids out of. Uh, but so what what is your take here on Trump's uh, idea for this free online? national university well i i am i'm in agreement on the endowment issue and the the fact that those institutions should be using their endowments to help young people actually get an education i i do not agree with the notion of a online uh federal federally run um you know federally directed university because we see what's happened when we did that with the K-12 system in 1979, when the Department of Education opened up, our, our, you know, we have continued to degrade the experience and our kids are doing worse today than they were, you know, that at that many years ago. So I, nothing that the federal government does improves things um, for the, the, you know, the basic person in our country. We have got to innovate deregulate and allow uh, creative, innovative entrepreneurs come into the higher education realm. We did some regulation around that to allow that to happen. Uh, people need to take advantage of it and start offering those alternatives that are going to compete with these institutions that really are not doing what they, what they uh, profess to do for young people, that is give them a good education. And it doesn't seem like it's really uh, so hard to figure out, Betsy, if we just look at the trail of everything the government's gotten involved in has gone right down the toilet. It's almost as if like every uh, Democrat run city that's been Democrat for 50 years is a terrible place to live, riddled with crime, homelessness and drug abuse. So it's not like it's not hard to figure some of these things out and maybe let's go in a different direction and try something new. And hopefully people choose that today because we uh, there's a lot of elections going on and so many people because it's not that big ticket item. It's not the presidential election. It's not their governor's election. So a lot of people stay home on Election Day when really the elections that are happening right now with your local school board That's are the right. most important elections that are going to happen for your family. So I wanted to get you. I know Virginia is one where education is is a key issue that's on the ballot right now. Are there any other uh, elections that are going on that you've got your eye on or what would be your message to parents out there on election day? Well, you're right. All of these local school board elections, as well as city and municipality elections, you know, the stuff that make, makes a difference that matters to you and I on a daily basis happens at the local level. It starts at the local level. So I urge and encourage everyone to get out and vote today. It's it's imperative that uh, your voice be heard. And you can't complain if you if you don't like what happened, what the outcome is if you didn't vote. Yeah, very well said. And I pray to God that uh, we can find something. It just sometimes it seems um, it seems like it's almost impossible to turn this around, Betsy, because it's like we're looking at what's happening in the failures of our education system. The fact that our family, we, we, we lead the world in fatherless households. It just seems like everything is on a railroad track going in the wrong direction. I just pray to God that there'll be enough people to stand up to stop this thing for one. And then number two, get it going in a positive direction again. But it seems like such a very tall order. Well, the grassroots, the local communities is where the difference can be made and where it starts. And um, and I, again, applaud you for uh, reaching into and being a part of that conversation. Um, this is an imperative for all of us to get involved, to speak up, to make changes where change needs to be made and uh, and to participate. You know, let your vote be counted.
Yes, great stuff. Listen, it's been an absolute honor to have you. I'm glad that you joined me on the podcast. I'd love to have you back on again in the future. Betsy DeVos, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on the Alec Lay Show. Thanks so much, Alec. Great to be with you. All right. Big honor to have the former Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, join me here on the Alec Lay Show. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Let me know what you thought about it down in the chat. Leave a comment down below. Let me know what you thought about it. While you're down there, hit the follow button. What is interesting is that um, Betsy DeVos's brother, Eric Prince, was a former, is a former Navy SEAL, and I just did the Navy SEAL swim across the Hudson River with him uh, and all of his teammates. So I made that swim. I got to see if I can get him on the podcast here as well. Wouldn't that be interesting? So I'll have to try to reach out. But uh, Betsy DeVos, a, a great woman doing great work, and uh, I really respect her opinion, and I'm honored again that she joined me on the podcast today. Uh, because right now, you know, again, it's election day. And if you're a parent, get out there and vote. It's really important. Today's the day to make your voices heard. If you're sick and tired of parental rights being under attack, get out there and fight back. And one of the limited tools or resources we have to fight back with is our vote. So show up to the ballot box and uh, bring a friend or two with you and encourage them to vote as well. All right. So obviously the biggest news I think that was going on yesterday was that Donald Trump was testifying in Manhattan court. If this thing had been televised, it would have been bigger than the OJ trial. You would have had millions and millions of people tuning in to watch this thing live. Uh, It was not on TV, but this is just sickening what's happening in in our country right now to see the former president of the United States sitting in court, having to testify at a just totally bogus, bogus indictment that was brought against him. This is a, he is the first person to ever be charged with this particular um, issue or whatever this uh, clause is, this law, this section of the law. He's the only person ever charged with it before, and he will be the only person ever charged with it ever again. But obviously, they're going after him for it because it's not about whether or not he broke the law. It's about whether or not they can get Trump on anything. That is the tactic here. And you could see it by these people that are involved in the case. This left-wing lunatic judge who you saw right from the right from the dribble with the stupid little smirk and smile on his face. This was his big day. This was his big moment. Same thing, obviously, Attorney General Letitia James. She's been waiting for this her whole life. This was her big moment to get Trump on the stand and to get this thing against Donald Trump. This was her entire life. For Donald Trump, it was Monday. But for the judge and for the, for the Attorney General, this was everything. Right. Letitia James's political career is on the line based on this case, not Donald Trump's. So this was her thing. She's been gearing up for this uh, for years. And and so now here I want to give you this quote from yesterday, because obviously there was no cameras in the room. But I want to give you this quote. One of the things that the judge said while Trump was trying to answer the questions, because as anybody that knows Trump, Trump talks quite a bit. If you ask him a question, he's going to give you a detailed answer. The judge didn't like that. So they were asking him questions that required a detailed answer. And the judge says, I don't want to hear everything he has to say. I don't want to hear everything Trump has to say. That's the judge in the case saying this. Trump's lawyer bounced back and said, listen, it's necessary, beneficial, and relevant to answer the questions in this manner. If you don't like it, ask better questions. So he goes on to say, I'm not here to hear what he has to say. He goes into speeches. Imagine a judge. Now, there's no jury in this case, mind you. So the judge is it. And imagine the judge in your case telling you, I'm not here to hear what you have to say. Isn't, isn't, Isn't that crazy? So this was his big political moment. This was uh, Letitia James. How long has she been waiting for this? Well, there's hundreds of just uh, tweets. She, if, you, if you go through Letitia James's Twitter page, I'll look through it here. Look, if you Google Trump and you search her tweets for Trump, look at how this list goes on about how many tweets. Look at this. 
right? It goes on and on and on. It seems like she can't tweet without mentioning Trump. And this keeps going on. And it'll go on for a while here, so I'm not going to play the whole thing. But you, you do it yourself and just search her tweets for it. Now, here was, here was a nice little clip that was put together on Twitter. And it's just about how radical this woman is, talking about how Trump says she's this, Trump says she's that. Listen to her leading up to this trial. This is, before, this is her campaigning for attorney general. This is her leading up to this case. Listen to how radical and how crazy this woman is. It's called me venomous. We will fight back to your attempt to bring Trumpism to New York City. He's called me disgraceful. called me radical. Listen, yes. we know he's crazy. Yeah. We know he doesn't have a sound mind. Yeah. We know he's out of control. Yeah. We know he's losing it. Yeah. We know his days are numbered and we will come together. He's called me a racist. We've got to stand up to an, an administration which is too male, too pale, and too stale. Thank you. And I want to roll this tape back one more time and let you watch this when Letitia James says, too male, too pale, right? Look at this. As she's saying it, the people right next to her are white people. And they're look, they're going along with this, like, oh, yeah, he's too pale. He's too, too white. We don't want a, a whole white administration. These people have been taught to self-hate themselves. And we saw this all through the 2020, uh, pan, not the pandemic, the riots and the protests, the peacefully uh, fiery protests that were going on. These white people are standing there calling out white people, saying, oh, yeah, down with these white, you know, too male and too pale. They're agreeing with this. They've been taught to self-hate themselves. Listen to it again. Too male, too pale, and too stale. Too male, too pale, and too stale. Too male, too pale. Now, Trump calls her racist. Doesn't he ever? Isn't that racist to say you're too male, you're too pale? Isn't that what do they call it? Misogynistic? What is it called when you're a sexist? Isn't that sexist? Too male and too pale. You're judging the guy based on his skin. You're, you, could you imagine for a second if Donald Trump had said Letitia James is too dark or too black? He, it would be nonstop, 24 hours on the news cycle. But here's Letitia James says, oh, he's too male and too pale, his administration. How much more racist, blatantly racist can you get? But as we learned, it's okay to be openly racist against a certain demographic. If you're racist against white people, that is perfectly okay. And we're also learning that it's okay to be racist against Jewish people. We're learning that as well. Anti-Semitism is acceptable now on the left because we got so many people that are coming up with it. They're going to have to align with it. All of this anti-Semitic stuff is coming from the left. All the pro-Hamas people are on the left. So back to the trial yesterday. Here was Donald Trump's attorney, how frustrating it must be for her. Uh, but here she is when she, when she addressed the press after Trump testified. Coming from the judge who has already predetermined that my client committed fraud before we even walked into this courtroom. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. Then why exactly? Am I being paid as an attorney and why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom? The answer is very clear. 
because Miss James wants to stand right here like she did this morning and call my client a liar, call the company fraudulent, and make a name for herself. She said this morning that the numbers don't lie and they won't lie in this case. Well, Miss James, I have a message for you. The numbers didn't lie when you ran for governor, and that's why you dropped out. And the numbers don't lie when President Trump runs for office in 2024. And those numbers are loud and clear. This country is falling apart. And if we don't stop corruption in courtrooms where attorneys are gagged, where attorneys are not allowed to say what they need to say to protect their clients' interests, it doesn't matter what your politics are. Everyone has a right in this country to get up and put a defense. I can only imagine the frustration. And again, uh, this is somebody that is being tried on this thing that has never been tried on anybody else before. He's the first person that this has ever been brought against. And he's the only person he'll ever it'll ever be brought against because it's so stupid. And, and I think, honestly, I think Letitia James is doing Trump a favor. He skyrockets in the polls every time this is going on. And this is only going to gain momentum. I think when he looks back at this, I think when he's getting inaugurated in 2025, he needs to thank Letitia James and say, you know, one of my biggest campaign contributors was Letitia James because what this woman did boosted me in the polls, got people motivated to come out and vote for me. She may be the one that pushes him over the top in 2024. And so I think Trump might have to thank her at the inauguration for what she's done. But it's sickening to see them do this. We know what it's all about. This is just about attacking Trump and it's about nothing else. And it's sickening to watch. And again, we hear, you know, oh, it, it, his administration was too male and too pale. And, and that is because it's OK to be racist against white people. And we're going to use that to slide right into this next piece, this next story here, which is Stephen Crowder dropped an absolute banger yesterday. He dropped three pages yesterday, and I'm going to put them on the board here for you guys to look at them. These were from Ashley Hale's, I'm sorry, Audrey Hale's notebook uses the name Aiden because it was LGBT. Uh, But this is, these are the pictures here from the journal. I'm going to read them to you. But now this is something we have been calling for since the shooting happened. Since these children, these Christian children were targeted, we have been calling, release the manifesto, release the manifesto. A lot of people yesterday, especially on the right, were kind of a little bit jealous of Steven Crowder for releasing uh, or getting this story first. You know how this is. It's a competitive business. So some people on the right were a little shady about Steven Crowder getting the glory for this. Whatever. He gets the credit because he got the story. So bravo for Steven Crowder. These, this manifesto needed to be released. And now we see exactly why the FBI did not want it released. And here you go. I'll put up his tweet uh, reading what it says. Uh, This was his breaking Nashville school covenant shooter Audrey Hale's death day manifesto targeted crackers with white privileges. So some of the highlights he highlights is want to kill you little little crackers. I hope you have. I hope I have a high death count. I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't ready to die, which is underlined in the manifesto. So this is an obvious hate crime. This was anti-white. This is a racist crime. The FBI did not want to did not want you to see this because their entire narrative was oh we're trying to protect the victims' uh, families. That's not who they were trying to protect, as we see what's in the manifesto here. They were trying to protect themselves for one. They were trying to protect the narrative, and they were trying to protect the LGBTQ community. 
That's who they were trying to protect here. They weren't trying to protect the victims' families. Not by a long shot. But what I wanted to point out here is in this book, and I'll put it on the board here, what's interesting is it says in her notes, at 10.20 a.m., gear up, set up guns in the trunk, assemble, get out, vest. At 11.20 a.m., it says, final videotape, 10 minutes in parentheses. Is there a videotape that we now have to call to be released? Is the FBI holding on to a videotape of Audrey Hale talking about what she is about to do? Uh, Maybe more of her anti-white rhetoric, more of her anti-Christian rhetoric. What could it be? We do know that the White House is going through every single length right after the shooting happened to protect the LGBTQ community because somehow they became the victim after this lunatic shot and killed Christian children. The victim became automatically the LGBTQ community. Uh, but so Stephen Crowder, bravo for releasing this out there. And so now we need to see more. And now, of course, they're investigating who did the leak. That's what they're worried about. So they've already announced this, that the, 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 the county, the, the police department, is launching an investigation. They want to find out who the leaker is, who gave this to Stephen Crowder. They're more concerned about who leaked it than what was actually in the manifesto and getting it out into the public, right? We still don't even know who leaked the Dobbs report, right? The Roe versus Wade overturned. They leaked that out. Who, how in the world could you leak out such a document like that and still be walking around without punishment? But we still don't know who did it. You can guarantee and bet your ass they are going to reveal the identity of whoever it is that leaked this thing out there to Steven Crowder. They're going to get to the bottom of it because they are on that side. And so that's what they were worried about. And again, where is the president of the United States on this? Why doesn't he come right out and condemn anti-white racism, condemn anti-Christian racism? Where is he? He's always so diversity, equity, and inclusion. Doesn't that include white people? Doesn't that include Christian kids? Doesn't that include everybody? No, it doesn't. You know it doesn't include them, and I know it doesn't include them, because you can be racist in this country if you are against white heterosexual Christian males. You can be as racist as you want, and apparently now a close second or tied with them is against the Jewish population. It's cool to be anti-Semitic now on the left, because everybody's doing it. That's what all the cool kids are doing. Look around at the universities. All the universities now, these left-wing liberal universities, where these kids come out with these gender studies degrees, they're all anti-Semitic now, and it's cool to be anti-Semitic and pro-Hamas. Right? It's not pro-Palestine. It's anti-Israel. And we just saw the pro-Palestinian or anti-Israel protests going on in front of the White House. Here they are. Here's the video. They're shaking the fence, desecrating the statues in Washington, D.C. No punishment. No big deal. No crime. This wasn't an assault on democracy. No one gave a shit about it because it wasn't Trump supporters there. You think for a second if this Ashley Hale was wearing a MAGA hat and had a manifesto about uh, trying to shoot minority kids? or illegal immigrants, you don't think that manifesto would have been released to the public within hours of the shooting? You're out of your mind and you're not paying attention if you think that. So this is what we're facing here. Now, another thing I want to point out as we're talking about this Covenant shooting is one of the keys that the sheriff said right after this thing had happened as to why Audrey Hale picked that school over a different school. Listen to the clip. Was it the only school that was targeted? It was the only school that was targeted. Uh, there was another location that was mentioned, uh, but because of a, a threat assessment by the suspect, uh, too much security, they decided not to. And that area was here in Nashville, so we're continuing with that investigation as well. 
All right. So she chose this school because of the lack of security, saying there was too much security at that other school. This is why they ch- that she chose this school to do. So what does that tell you? You got to make sure that your children's school is secured. Make sure you have armed police officers at your school. And if you don't, you better raise hell at the school board meetings until you get one there, because that is the difference between why this lunatic chose one school over another. Unbelievable that you that we play this game in this country that certain kids' lives matter more than other kids. If they fit the narrative, they're in. If they don't fit the narrative, they're out. And we see it time and time again. And, of course, you still have these people that tried to read. They read this manifesto that was put out on X yesterday, and they still tried to say it's the guns. That's how crazy and un- un- untouched from reality these people are. Obviously, the FBI does not want this thing out there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be going to such painstaking lengths to hide it from us for so long. And it's so unreasonable to do that. This was an out-and-out hate crime. It better be condemned by the President of the United States. If not, he's complicit. Right? Because that's what he's doing. His rhetoric on white people, he's putting a target on the back of white people in this country. He's putting a target on the back of Trump supporters in this country. He he put a target on the back of the unvaccinated people in this country. We saw that during COVID, called out the unvaccinated people. It's your fault we're in this mess. And the truth is, it wasn't our fault. I say us because I was never vaccinated. Like I know many of you listeners out there were never vaccinated. So great for Stephen Crowder. And again, talking about the the Jewish community and what they're facing. Here's this guy. Here's the video here. Here's the guy that was assaulted by an anti-Israel protester. Hits this guy, knocks him down, kills him. Now, we saw this happen at one of the Black Lives Matter rallies when the cop pushed one guy, an older guy, and he fell down and hit his head. They called it the biggest murder. Look at what's going on. If you recall, I'll put the clip here so you can see it. When this happened, then the guy hit the back of his head. Everyone wanted blood. Where are the calls now that this guy just did this? Where is the up? Where, why aren't people upset? No one seems to care. Because like I said, now it's cool to be anti-Semitic on the left. We're all right with that. That type of racism isn't included in the diversity and equity program. We don't care about that. As you can see, all of it's coming from within the Democrat Party. All right, and this is why it's important today on election day to get to the ballot, to the ballot box. You got to get there today. If you don't, you better find a way. You better find a way to get there because this stuff is going to continue to go on in this country. And the only thing we have to really fight back and stop it with is our voice and our vote. So use both of them. Get on platforms like Rumble. Get on platforms like X. Get to the ballot box. Make your voice heard. Make your vote heard. That's what we need to do right now. And that's really all you can do. So I pray for this country. I, I, I pray that we can figure out a way to get this country back to good. The solution set to it is, is getting Donald Trump back into the White House. And I think Letitia James is doing her damn best to put him there. Again, here's a quick one. For the first time since I've been checking this, and I keep an eye on the Las Vegas odds, Las Vegas now has President Donald Trump as the favorite to win the 2024 elections. First time I've seen this. Now, this was recent. All year long that I've been checking this, it's been Biden- not by a lot, but Biden has always been the favorite with the odds makers to win the election. Now, as we see the polls all start to shift that have gone on, also we see Las Vegas odds start to change now on who's going to win the 2024 election. So 
Uh, we need Donald Trump back in there. I think every single time we see one of these indictments or one of these uh, cases go to trial, I think it helps Donald Trump. It's rallying the base. It's getting people fired up. And so I pray to God we can get him back into the White House as soon as possible. All right, so joining me here on the podcast Thursday, don't miss out. Bring it right back Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Rumble. Senator Ted Cruz is going to be joining me here. We're going to talk about his new book, Unwoke, and so much more. There's a lot to talk about with the senator. I'm honored to get him on the podcast here. I owe that all to you listeners that I continue to get guests like Betsy DeVos today and like Senator Ted Cruz on Thursday because you guys continue to share the podcast and make it popular here on Rumble, which is the free speech platform that gives me the opportunity to say these things out loud and proudly. So get down there, hit the follow button here on Rumble. Come back Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for my conversation live on Rumble with Senator Ted Cruz. All right, so that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, get out there and vote. God bless you parents out there. Make your voice heard. Make your vote heard. Bring a friend with you. Get out there and, uh, and make your patriotic duty. So God bless you parents and you listeners out there. God bless our police and our first responders and military. God bless America. And I will catch you guys on Thursday.